Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Wire Podcast. I'm Ryan McCrary. Today, I have a lot to talk about. Um, I'm not going to be able to talk about everything that I want to talk about in today's episode, so do expect a second episode coming probably around Wednesday. Um, This has been a crazy weekend in sports. I'm going to talk about uh, the Sunday night football game between the Seahawks and the Vikings. I'm going to talk about the NBA Finals. I'm going to talk about some college football. Um, I'm going to talk about Florida A&M and then Alabama Ole Miss. Um, But before we get into all that, the first thing I want to talk about today is Dak Prescott's injury. If you didn't know, uh, on yesterday or last night, uh, Dak Prescott, you know, the Cowboys played the Giants and uh, Dak suffered a gruesome ankle injury. Specifically, the injury was a compound ankle fracture and dislocation um so he is going to miss the rest of the season um and that just sucks you know i have been really critical of Dak prescott on the podcast uh before um but and i don't love him as a player but that doesn't mean that i don't feel for him you know athletes are still human um and so i just really really feel for Dak prescott prayers up to him I pray that he has a speedy recovery. It sucks to see an athlete get injured, no matter who it is. And it, it, it is sad to see a guy with his talent um, go down with such a gruesome injury. And it just its made worse by the fact that he and the Cowboys franchise have been in a huge contract uh, dispute for around a year now. And he's been trying, he's been asking for like $35 million a year. The Cowboys don't want to pay him that much. So they saw, they franchise tagged him. So they're paying him like $30 million for this season alone. But you know, after that, there's no guaranteed money for him. And so with this injury, he's probably not going to get a long-term contract from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and, and that's a huge risk. Um, that he took with not getting a deal done, and that's just, it, it. Just sucks uh, with the way things go. You know, you you get unlucky sometimes, and and he got unlucky, and and I just hate it for him. You know, he 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 wants to get paid a certain amount based on the numbers he's putting up, and 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 what he thinks he's des- deserving of, and and the Cowboys just didn't agree. And then they weren't able to get a deal done, and then this happens. You know, it, it just sucks to see, and it's really sad. I just hope that Dak Prescott has a speedy recovery, and that he's able to come back at full strength, and that you know he doesn't he doesn't lose any of his talent because of this injury. And, and I just really hope that he's able to come back at full strength. Um, but yeah, prayers up to Dak Prescott and prayers to his family. Um, he's a great guy. You know, he's done a great job speaking up about mental health, um, and, and depression that he's gone through with, uh, the coronavirus and his brother, uh, passing away this year. Um, and it, it just couldn't happen to a better guy, you know? I mean, he, he's just such a great guy, and it sucks to see him go through something like this. Uh, next up, I want to talk about the Lakers winning the NBA championship. So, uh, they beat the Heat in six games. They won the 2019-2020 NBA championship. They are, they, they won the title. And man, did they win it in impressive fashion. They just dominated the Heat in game six. The Heat did a great job getting a win in game five, forcing it to a, a, a sixth game. But the Heat, 
or the Lakers, excuse me, the Lakers closed it out in that final game, and it was not even close. The first half got really ugly. The Heat were turning the ball over a lot. The Lakers were playing great defense, and at one point, the margin of, like, the deficit was over 30 points for the Heat. So the Lakers came in, they got things done, they delivered, and they secured the title uh, for the city of Los Angeles. What what a what a performance by the Lakers in this series. Um, it, it was a great playoff run by them. You know, they got a huge reason why they were able to win the title is not only because they had LeBron and AD putting up great performances, but you saw guys like Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, KCP, guys like that. They came through in the playoffs, and they played really well, specifically Rondo and Dwight Howard. Those guys were really, really good when it mattered the most. Um, they, they came through, put up some really good performances in the playoffs, and, and the Lakers ended up winning winning the title. I didn't see this coming um, at the beginning of the playoffs because I, I thought the Clippers were a bad matchup for the Lakers. I thought the Clippers and the Bucks would meet in, in, in to... to fight for the championship, but neither team made it, and the Lakers ended up facing the Heat. It was a good series. You know, early on, it didn't look like the series was going to be that competitive, uh, but the Heat fought. They suffered some injuries, but they fought through those injuries. Um, they pushed into six games, but unfortunately for them, they were not able to they were not, 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 not they were not able to win game six and it, I was just really impressed by Jimmy Butler the way he performed he went toe to toe with LeBron played extremely well in this series he was awesome and he showed that he is probably a top 10 player in the league he was great in this series and I was super impressed and I was just impressed with the heat overall with the way they were able to fight fight through adversity of missing uh, bam to injury and then missing uh, Gordon Dragic for a majority of the series those those two players were huge and had a big impact on the heat in the playoffs and they were a huge part of their success and so when those guys went down with injury it really hurt the heat the heat's chances of winning the title but they they were competitive in this series I was really kind of surprised that they were that they were able to even force a sixth game but they did, um, and you know, and just props to them, you know, <laughs> like, that was a great, a great series, um, and I'm really glad that it, that it, it was a competitive series in the end, but shout out to LeBron, you know, he won finals MVP, he put up 39-12 and 12 on 59-42-67 shooting splits in this series, he was ridiculous, um, 100% deserving of the award, he just was so, so good in the finals. And what he's been able to do at age 35 has been incredible. Um, and, he, and now he's closing the gap on the GOAT conversation. Um, and I was just really impressed by him the entire playoff. I mean, you look at his playoff averages. He averaged 28, 9, and 11 on 56, 37, and 72 shooting splits through the playoffs. That's 21 games. He played awesome the entire playoffs. He was really good. And it was, I mean, there were some times in the early rounds where he struggled a bit, had some off games, but in the in the conference finals, in the finals, he was awesome. Um, to he's totally deserving of finals MVP. 
Um, and I was really impressed with his performance. Now, what this means for his legacy, that's a great question that I know a lot of people are asking themselves after this series. Uh, I don't think this makes LeBron the greatest player of all time. I would still go with Jordan. Um, and I'm not going to go into each player's resume right now. That's for a different podcast or that's for a separate video on our channel, which you can check out at The Wire on YouTube.com. Um, just a little shameless plug there. But this is huge for LeBron's legacy. Now, as you know, or you may not know, not every ring is equal. You know, LeBron's 2016 championship when he came when the Cavs came back from down three three to or from a three one deficit to the to the 70 73 win Golden State Warriors, that ring holds a lot more value than let's say KD's rings with the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know th that ring is just a lot more valuable. What LeBron had, what LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love and that Cavs team had to go through. You know, that's just a much better, or that ring holds a lot more value than KD's ring because the Golden State Warriors in that time, they had a big advantage, especially in 2018. Um, when you look at that ring, that obviously, that ring has a lot less value than the 2016 Cavs ring. Uh, but because of what, uh, because of the advantage the Warriors had with their roster and their talent, um, the 2016 Cavs ring is just overall a better a better title and adds more value um, in, in historical context. And so when you look at this ring, I think the Lakers got a little bit lucky. They didn't have to play the Bucks. They didn't have to play the Clippers. Um, and I get that you know they had to just play who was in front of them. They had no control over what the Lakers or, or what the Clippers and the Bucks did in the playoffs. Um, they were not responsible for their shortcomings, and I t completely get that. Uh, but you know the Clippers and the Bucks were interesting matchups for the Lakers. I don't know how they would have fared in those series. Um, so I think they got a little bit lucky with their opponents. Um, and so I don't think this title is extremely impressive. I think it's probably on, on the same level of impressiveness as, you know, LeBron's 2012 title against the Thunder. Um, so I don't think this ring is enough to push LeBron over Jordan. He's probably going to need another title. Um, of, of pretty, pretty great magnitude to, you know, you know, close the gap and jump Jordan. Uh, but what this title did do, in my opinion, is made, is cemented him as the second best player of all time. There's no argument for anyone else. When you look at his peak, when you look at, you know, advanced statistics like PER and box plus minus, which, you know, aren't perfect statistics. They have their flaws, uh, but they're a pretty good indicator of how great a player is or how great a player's season was. And when you look at the greatest seasons of all time, a lot of them belong, like in, in terms of PER and box plus minus, a lot of them belong to LeBron and Michael Jordan. So, I think LeBron has, you know, secured that second spot, the second greatest player of all time. And that, that's who he is. He's the second greatest player of all time in my eyes, for sure now. That's cemented. Um, he can, and, and, but there's still work to do. He's still, you know, playing at an extremely high level, playing at an MVP level. 
Um, although he didn't win the award, he was certainly in consideration. And if he's going to continue to play like that for a few more years, he definitely has a chance to overtake Michael Jordan. Um, I admit, I mean, I, I, I will say he has more work to be done, but it is a plausible scenario. There is a scenario in which he overtakes LeBron or Michael Jordan as the greatest player of all time. I don't think this ring was enough because what Le- what Michael Jordan was able to do in his career and in that era with one team, with his peak, um, in his championship resume, I think it's just like oh, just a little bit better than what LeBron has been able to accomplish. Um, so far in a 17-year career, but I will say it's really, really close. Um, but I would give the slight edge to Michael Jordan still. But you know, this just this just made LeBron's legacy even more impressive. When you look at what he's done throughout his career, you know, he's won a title with three different franchises. He's gone to at one point he went to eight straight finals. He's gone to nine is it eight out of the or nine out of the last 10 championships he's been in uh, I believe so don't quote me on that I might be wrong but just what he's been able to do is so impressive and and I get that he's played it played in a weak eastern conference for a majority of his career and that he you know he has jumped ship a lot when things got rough and I and I completely I, I see that and that's a, a huge reason why I wouldn't put him over Michael Jordan um in terms of like all-time rankings uh but you still have to give him some respect what he's done throughout his career is extremely impressive and what he's doing at this age, his longevity, it is incredible. And he's just playing at such a high level. It's wonderful to see. And I'm proud of LeBron. Proud of what he did, what he was able to accomplish this season with the pandemic and everything going going on. Um, going into the bubble in a, in a, a really different atmosphere. Um, the Lakers played really, really well. And then won the title and LeBron played, he just played his butt off. And um, shout out to him. Shout out to the Lakers for winning the championship. They they deserve it, and they look like they're going to be contending for for you know the years to come. So shout out to them. Shout out to their accomplishment, winning the 2019-2020 title. They did great things this year, and what a fantastic season for the Los Angeles Lakers and the city of Los Angeles. All right, moving on. I'm going to. Talk, I can't believe it. I. Cannot believe it. The Atlanta Falcons have done it. They fired Dan Quinn and they fired Thomas Dimitrov. I can't believe it. I actually have my notes right here for this podcast. My one note I wrote for this for this segment is thank God because that's truly how I feel. Just thank God we fired Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. Both of them needed to go. They should have been gone a long time ago, but it happened. You know, Arthur Blank finally decided to fire Dan Quinn, and our head coach, and our GM, Thomas Dimitrov. I'm so happy, and we honestly should hold a parade. The city of Atlanta should hold a parade that we no longer have to deal with Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov ruining our fan- our franchise. And look, I, I hate, I never wish unemployment on people uh, because that is a very difficult thing to go through 
but it's very different in sports. These guys are millionaires. They're going to be fine. They're probably going to find other jobs because, you know, they went to the Super Bowl a few years back. I wouldn't be surprised if they found employment in the NFL. Um, I'm, I'm glad they're gone. I'm glad they got fired. It puts us in a weird situation because we're in the middle of the season. Uh, but this this had to happen. This is for the betterment of our franchise. And for us going forward, this was the right move. I'm glad we made it. Um, you know, I don't know what direction we're going We're going. Um we're going in. I don't know if we're going to kind of start a rebuild. I hope that's what we do because I've been calling for us to rebuild ever since we lost to the Eagles in the 2017 playoffs. I've been saying for three years now that we need to rebuild. That we need to tear everything everything down, blow it up, and rebuild. Because after the 2017 playoffs, I didn't think we were legitimate contenders. I didn't like what I saw from our defense. Matt Ryan was getting up there in age a little bit, and I thought our window was closed. So I was like, I would rather us just rebuild Instead of living in this world of delusion where we think we're contending when actually we're just mediocre and, and, and average at best. Um, so I'm just really glad that we finally made the tough decision to fire Dan Quinn. This is the right move. Our defense has been terrible. We've been underachieving for years now. Um, and, and now Raheem Morris, our defensive coordinator, he's our interim head coach, which is a very weird decision because our defense sucks. Um, and I honestly thought we would go with Dirk Cotter as our interim head coach. But hey, I think we're going to lose more games with Raheem Morris as our head coach. So I'm happy. I'm completely happy with him being our interim head coach. Whatever gives us a better draft pick, I'm fine with. Um, I think this move does that. I hope we just tank the season, honestly. Like, there's just... Like, we have nothing to play for this season. We're really bad. Uh, Matt Ryan has not been very good. Our defense is terrible. Our secondary sucks. Isaiah Oliver is our worst player on defense. Um, and, and we're 0-5 now. We're 0-5. We're winless. Uh, we're terrible. And honestly, we just need, we just need to punt on the season, try to get the number one pick, try to get a franchise quarterback, and go from there. Uh, because that's the direction we can go in, and that's the best that's the best direction for us to go in, in my opinion. I hope we do that, but we'll see. Uh, I'm really glad we fired Dan Quinn. We had no choice. Shout out to Arthur Blank for finally making the tough decision. You know, it's hard for me to be happy because I think this is a decision that should have that should have come a, a few years ago. Um, it's it's really late. But I, I'm just glad that it finally happened. We ripped the Band-Aid off, and we got rid of our coaching GM. Great decision by Arthur Blank. Um, and, and, and I just thank him for finally making that decision. Now we can go through this season knowing that Dan Quinn will not be back for another year. Um, and just thank God that this has finally happened. Thank the Lord. All right, moving on. I want to talk about Florida. Uh, they got upset by Texas A&M this weekend. They lost uh, 41-38. to uh, on the road, and this was a crazy game. Hold on, let me get a drink because my mouth is or my my mouth is starting to dry up a little bit. <clears throat> so they got upset on the road in a shootout. Like it was a forty-one thirty-eight game. Um, neither defense played well, um, and I kind of expected that because Florida's defense has struggled this year. Um, they're not very good against against the pass, especially. And they struggled in this game. And they also struggled to stop the run. 
uh, because Isaiah Spiller, A&M's running back, he had 27 carries for 174 yards uh, with a 6.4 yards per carry and two touchdowns. He was awesome, and Florida couldn't stop him. They also couldn't stop Kellen Mond, who had a great a great game uh, in his own right. He had three 338 yards, uh, three touchdowns with a 94.3 QBR. He was awesome. And this is a huge issue for Florida. Um, they ended up, like, at the end of this game, they had a, you know, they they were driving, had a chance to win the game, and they fumbled the game away. Uh, A&M ended up kicking a game-winning field goal. Uh, but my issue with the Gators is their defense. Offensively, they're fine. Uh, they are really, really, really good on offense. Um, Kyle Trask kind of took a step forward this year. He's been amazing. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, that dude is special. He's really good. Um, but their defense is just so, so bad. Like, l- look at these stats. Uh, Florida's opponents have an average passer rating of 159.3. Um, and their bottom six in yards allowed per game. Now, 159.3. That passer rating is 11th worst in the country, or 11th best. I don't know how you would say it, but basically, quarterbacks are playing at near at a near top 10 level when they play Florida. That's how bad their defense has been. Um, and despite their offense being top 10 in scoring and top 10 in terms of passing offense with an elite quarterback, they just lost to an A&M team who struggled against Vanderbilt in week one. So if things aren't looking too bright for the Florida Gators, because they're going to have to play Georgia later on. And if their defense doesn't get it together, they're probably going to lose that game because Georgia is just fantastic defensively. And Stetson Bennett is playing at a really high level. So Florida has a major issue on their hands. Their defense is really, really struggling. And if they don't fix that, you know, they're going to have a hard time winning their their division and making it to the SEC championship. Before the season, I thought they were going to win their division. Um, I really thought it was likely because I liked what I saw from them offensively. You know, Georgia's quarterback situation was up in the air. But with Georgia's, quarter, with Georgia's defense and Stetson Bennett stepping up and playing at a high level, I just don't think it's realistic for Florida to win. Uh, their division to win the SEC East. Their defense is just really, really bad. Uh, they're giving up a lot of points. Teams are just sta- just you know they're they're just stacking points on them like it's nothing, um, and that's just not a recipe for winning games in the SEC. So I think they're going to continue to struggle if they don't fix this this issue. They they got to play better on defense. Their pass defense has to improve if they want to you know, contend and win the SEC. Um, but this was a rough game for them. Uh, their offense was fine, just defensively. They couldn't get it done. They allowed 41 points to the Aggies. Um, and, and this trend, it, it just continues. And I don't know if it's going to stop. Uh, but that was a huge win for A&M. Um, and what a loss for Florida. All right, moving on to Alabama Ole Miss. Wow, what a game. Um uh, unreal score, sixty-three to forty-eight. The Crimson Tide won, um, but over a hundred and ten points scored in this game. You don't see that. That's just unreal, um, and that's unheard of in the SEC. But when you have two teams whose defense 
is not great and his offense is elite, you're going to get a lot of points scored. I just, I, I'd never expect a, a uh, an Alabama defense to give up 48 points. That's just, like, it's rare. It doesn't happen often. Uh, but it happened this weekend. Um, luckily, Alabama was just able to get a few stops at the end of the game because, surprisingly, Ole Miss was keeping up with them. Every time Alabama scored, Ole Miss would match them. They were able to match them point for point up until late in the fourth quarter where Alabama, or when Alabama was able to get a few stops. And, and eventually, they were able to pull away at the end. Uh, but Ole Miss was really impressive offensively. Elijah Moore was great. Uh, Matt, Cor- Matt uh, Corral was it's fantastic. Uh, he played super well. Um, and it was a struggle for Alabama. Uh, luckily, Alabama's offense is one of the best in the country. You know, they got Mac Jones, who's a really good quarterback. They have Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. Um, McK- What's that guy's name? The new receiver, who I believe is a freshman. Let me look up his name real quick. Number eight, M- Metchief. I believe that's his last name. Uh, uh, yeah, John Metchief. Oh, sorry. John Metchief the third. Uh, he played well. He's been great this season. That guy's been balling out. He's been playing really well. Um, but like, look at these total yards. 723 total yards for Alabama and 647 total yards for Ole Miss. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. Uh, Alabama's defense has to be better. They have to be better because they got a, a really, really good matchup next week in Georgia. And Georgia is not a team to mess around with. They're a really, really good team. They're one of the best teams in the country. Um, and they got a great defense. And Stetson Bennett, you know, I'm not high on him. You know, I think he has a low ceiling. But he's playing pretty, pretty freaking good right now. And if you if you are slacking on defense, you know, Georgia's going to be able to put up some points on you. Because Bennett is really, really playing uh, playing at a high level. Uh, I've been impressed by him. He's been really, really good. And so Alabama's defense just has to be better. You can't give up 647 total yards. You just can't do that and expect to win games. They have to be better. And although their offense is great and is able to match any team in the country point for point, their defense just is, is just going to have to be be better and, and it's going to have to improve if they expect to you know compete for a national championship this year. Uh, I do want to say a shout out to Najee Harris for having an exceptional game on Saturday. He had 23 carries. 206 yards, uh, 9 yards per carry, and 5 rushing touchdowns. He was awesome, uh, and he improved his Heisman um, his Heisman uh, odds with that performance. He was great, um, just spectacular. And I actually really like Najee Harris. Although I'm an Auburn fan, I have a lot of respect for Harris. I think he's criminally underrated. He's really good. Super explosive. He's a big guy. Um, great at making contested catches. Um, and he's just really good as a receiving back and as a runner. I don't think he's been, you know, his running ability just hasn't been, just hasn't been used a lot at Alabama, uh, especially last year. Um, last year, I felt like everyone saw him as more of a receiving back, uh, and more of a third down back. I don't know. I think he could honestly be a three down back at the next level. The dude's just a stud. He's really good, really athletic, um, and just a, a, a freak athlete. I, lo- I love Harris. He's a stud. All right, let me get another drink. All right. To, uh, 
to end the podcast, to end the episode, I'm going to talk about the Seahawks and the Vikings. Um, Sunday Night Football, what a crazy game. This was insane. Just complete insanity. Um, the Vikings came out looking great on offense and defense. They were moving the ball down the field with ease. Um, they were just dinking and dunking, just killing the Seahawks' zone defense. Uh, Kirk Cousins looked great. Uh, Dalvin Cook was really good in the screen game. And they were just moving the ball down the field with ease. Um, they took a 13-0 lead at halftime. And in the first half, the Seahawks struggled. Um, their offensive line was not playing very well. The Vikings were able to put a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson in the first half. Um, and they, they held the Seahawks offense, which has been one of the best in the league, to zero points in the first half. That's crazy. That's just insane. Um, the, Seah- the Seahawks offense has been super explosive. Um, and Russell Wilson's been playing at an MVP level. DK Metcalf has been one of the best receivers in the league this year. Um, Tyler Lockett's been awesome as well. Chris Carson's been great. Um, they just been, their offense has been so explosive. And to be held to zero points by the Vikings defense, who, which has struggled this year, especially in the secondary, because they got a lot of youth and, and their secondary is very inexperienced. They were able to hold the Seahawks to zero points in the first half. That's extremely impressive. Now things fell apart in the third quarter. The third quarter, was just an absolute disaster for the Vikings. Um, the Seahawks, they, they put up a heap of points. Let me actually look how many points they were able to put up in the third quarter. Let's see, because it was ridiculous. Let me see. Seahawks versus the Vikings. Pull it up on ESPN. Alright, so they, yeah, the Seahawks scored 21 points in the third quarter. That's just, you can't have that happen. Like, come on. 21 points in the third quarter, that's ridiculous. Especially considering they had so much success in the first quarter. I mean, they held them scoreless, or in the first half, they held them scoreless. Um, Things fell apart in the third quarter. Mainly because um, the Vikings turned the ball over. They had some turnover issues in the second half. Um, They fumbled the ball, you know, or Kirk Cousins fumbled the ball. He also threw a pick. Um, and the Seahawks were able to capitalize off those turnovers, turn those takeaways into points. They did a great job of that in this game. Um, and, and Seattle just went on a run in the second half on offense. Uh, Metcalf had some big catches uh, in the end zone. Um, and in the end, it was great. The ending of this game was so crazy because... Um, at one point, the Vikings took a 26 to 19 lead. I, no, I believe, um, if I'm, no, a 26 to 21 lead. That's right. It was 26 to 21 late in the fourth quarter. Um, Russ, with like five minutes left, Russell Wilson threw a pick. With five minutes left in the game, the Vikings were able to run the ball really well all game. Um, they had a lot of success throwing the ball, uh, getting first downs. Uh, just eating up clock. Um, and when Russ threw, threw that pick uh, with five minutes left in the game, down five points, I thought the game was over. I was like, there's no way they're going to stop them. The Vikings had great field position. Um, they, they had a lot of success running the ball all day because the, Eagle, the Seahawks' defense is not very good. Um, and, and they ran down the field, um, ate some clock, and they had a fourth, a four, a four, was it fourth and goal? Um, 
No, no, it wasn't fourth and goal. It was like fourth and short, but they're in the red zone. They went for it, and they got stopped. They got stopped. The Seahawks got to stop. Uh, and, and the Seahawks' final drive is really was really insane. Um, they converted multiple fourth downs on on their game winning drive. They had a huge throw deep to DK Metcalf, which is a crazy play by him. Um, the ball, the defensive back just misread the ball. Um, just didn't really read the ball well. Didn't track it um, well at all. DK Metcalf came up with a huge catch. He was open. Um, and, and the ball was like kind of underthrown. I don't even know if it was underthrown. I think the the corner just just did not track it well at all. DK converted, got a huge catch, big play on fourth and ten. Then later on the drive, um, you know, see the Seattle was in the red zone. I think they were inside the ten. They were definitely inside the twenty yard line. Um, and it was fourth and goal, and Russ. You know, threw the ball to DK Metcalf in the end zone. He made a crazy catch. Insane. Um, a, a very difficult catch. DK uh, made the grab. And, and he's, he scored a touchdown and secured a victory for the Seahawks, who won by one. They won 27-26. What a fight. What a comeback for, for Seattle in this game. Then they went down big in the first half, went down double digits. They came back in the third, had a huge run in the third quarter, uh, forced some turnovers, uh, got back into the game. Then the Vikings went ahead, and Russ turned the ball over, had a huge turnover towards the end of the game. Uh, then Seattle got a stop on fourth down um, in the final minutes. Seattle had a chance to win the game. They converted multiple fourth downs on their game-winning drive, and DK made a crazy catch to secure the victory. What a crazy game! What a what a fascinating matchup. Um, just a really exciting. Just the way it played out was insane. Um, a lot of great moments. DK Metcalf was great. Russell Wilson had a really good second half, um, and Minnesota just crumbled. Um, to be quite honest, their offense was really good in the first half, as was their defense. They just turned the ball over too much uh, to win the game. And those turnovers killed the Vikings. It killed them. And then that's that, them getting stopped on fourth down was huge. Um, but shout out to the Seahawks who just kept fighting. Um, they got back in this game. And, and they took advantage of turnovers. That way, that's what you're supposed to do. They took When you get take, takeaways, you have to score. Um, and that's what they did. They took advantage of the takeaways they got in this game. Um, and and they, they're still undefeated. They're 5-0 and now. Um, but I was really impressed by the way they fought in that second half. And, 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 they, and they just they wouldn't stop fighting. They, they kept going at it. They kept just climbing back up until um, the final second. Up until the clock hit zero, they were fighting, and they did not stop. So shout out to them. Um, big win for the for the Seahawks. Huge, huge win. They stay alive. Um, I think they have the best the best record in the NFL. Um, they're five and zero. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but yeah, they're still undefeated, and they're <laughs> they're crazy season. It, it's it's still going. They're still undefeated. Um, they haven't lost yet. I don't know if they will. Um, but what a performance by the Seahawks. Man, that game was crazy. Anyway, that's all I got for today. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, do expect another episode to come this week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about, um, some college football games next week. I'm gonna talk about Alabama, Georgia. 
Uh, I do want to talk about some other NFL games from this from week five. Um, and then I'm going to talk about Miami Clemson. I do want to talk about that. Uh, so expect a second episode this week. Um, but without further ado, that's all I got for today. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I will see you all next time. Bye.